Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. This week, uh, there's something going on on Tuesday, I believe. Um, is it anything? It's nothing important, though, right? There's nothing no. like, not, not, no, it's not nothing really. happening. Right? <laughs> so we're going to be praying about that. But actually, we're going to give you the opportunity to do that, too. We've got a service that we're going to do at our Providence campus, um, just an election prayer service. It's um, just to be praying over the country, over our people, over the decisions that we're making, um, and that God would lay God's hands on this world and on this country. Um, and so that's at 12 p.m. up at the Providence campus sanctuary. Uh, you guys can, uh, so can register for that. It's on our website website if you'll take a look um, and I think there's also going to be a live stream of it as well so if you'd like to watch a live stream uh, you can be a part of that so does anybody know what today is in the church Jeff mentioned it in the prayers if you're thinking about it at home some of you guys know this because you kind of been dreading it it's an unusual and difficult Sunday for a lot of folks but it is All Saints Day did you guys know that? it's All Saints Day so Reformation happens and then there's All Saints Day and you know I I, I don't we don't do a whole lot of you know like uh, um, like festival day kind of big churchy stuff or for those of you guys who have that history um you kind of know about it. and those that you don't man there's just this rich depth filled with all those things that we can do um as a church and what's really cool is it sort of reminds me um when we're doing things that are all across the church that it's really not about matt in a room you know making up church and just sort of figuring out where God's going to take us and then we just do the thing. It's just not what it's about. We're connected as a church across the world and alive. It's been alive for millennia. So we're a part of this Holy Spirit movement as church and it's cool to be a part of something that everybody um, is uh, is kind of going through today in that same time, just thinking of all the saints that we've lost. And we've lost a number of saints in our congregation this week. Um, so many, uh, I think it's almost double that we've had in years past. And so... Um, uh, we took a little bit of time to just sort of give that some silence and some space, and, um, and I really appreciate um, you guys as you guys are thinking about those. I've heard from a lot of you guys this week, um, people that you're missing and that you've lost. So last week, though, was, what, what was the Sunday? What do we call it? Reformation Sunday. That's right. It was the day that we talked about being reformed. God doesn't reform buildings. God reforms people. And what a beautiful thing that is to remember that we are the church moving in the world. This week is All Saints Day where we remember all that we've lost. And I often hear when I'm talking to people that have lost folks, especially those who've lost like parents or, um, or siblings, you know, how long, Pastor Matt, like how long is this going to last? How long does grief take? How long am I going to feel like I don't want to go outside? How long am I going to feel like I just want to keep the curtains drawn? How long is nothing on TV or the internet or anybody in my family going to be able to do to cheer me up? How long does my grief take? I'm tired of grieving, tired of being down, but the answer is as long as it takes. It takes as long as it takes. And grief can last a while. And, and I, I think one of the things that I've talked to folks about a lot is in that grief, make sure that you engage it. It's okay to engage. It's, it's okay to let those emotions out. I, I think about it like this. You've heard me tell this story before. When I was a little kid, I was pushing a kid on a big wheel. We were having this big race on a cul-de-sac where we lived. And I slipped and fell. And I was like full sprint running. And my hands were on his shoulders. And I fell. And then I braced myself full sprint run on the asphalt, right? So like I, I got all of this gravel in my hand. Everybody say, yeah. Yeah, it was gross. It was awful. It was painful. It was terrible. But you guys have had those kind of things happen before, I know. 
Now, your, your one thing you can do is you can just put a Band-Aid on it and sort of just act like it didn't happen, right? But we all know what happens when you do that. It's going to get infected. It's going to get worse. The one thing that you've got to do, and it's kind of yucky, but you've got to go in and you've got to get the gravel out, which means you've got to engage that pain. And it might be a little bit more painful than it was even initially, but you've got to get that out of your hand so that it can heal. And then you've got to put some kind of ointment on it, and then you've got to cover it and care for it. And here's the thing. Grief is the same way. When that thing happens to you, whatever it is, and some of you guys have stuff that's happened to you in the past long, long time ago, way back, and you put a Band-Aid on it. And I want to encourage you, church, to think about those things, those places in life where you put a Band-Aid on it. And it's going to be harder than ever now to go back in. But for the rest of your life, you want that out. So you got to engage that grief. And that means it might be a little bit more painful than now than it has been in a long time. But you got to go in and get that out. And you might need help. You might need some help to get that out. That gravel could be deep. Then find that ointment that works. And then care for yourself. Care for yourself to get to that place of healing. And remember, even when that happens, a good chunk of the time, the scars remain. Scars remain as that reminder of what happened. But the pain will be much different, much less going forward. You've heard me tell that story before when it comes to grief. There's another one that I tell all the time when, when I'm talking to people about grief. Um, have you ever had lightning strike your house? Oh, again. We've had lightning strike your house, and it's just crazy. And all of a sudden, it'll like take out a TV and then down the circuit line, everything will be fine. The refrigerator's good, no problems. And then down here, you'll have like a clock radio that lost like one or two of the little LED things. And you're like, what? What is the deal, right? Grief is, all, is such a strange thing. It can be like a lightning strike, and it can come in places where you don't expect it. If you're not willing to deal with it, you're not willing to engage it, it can be like a lightning strike, and you can be devastated. Then I'm really fine, and then all of a sudden it comes out in a place that you had no idea that it was going to come out. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today, as we sit in All Saints Day, as we remember not only who we've lost, but what we've lost in our lives, I want you to be willing to engage your grief. And I'm just going to give you the disclaimer right now. If this is something on your mind and your heart, and you're thinking, I have no idea where to start, please reach out to me. It's what I do. I will walk with you. We as a church will walk with you if that's part of what you need, but help you get to a place of healing. Please take this day, take this week, and consider that. I took pastoral care as part of helping people deal with grief when I was in seminary. And it was a class that was taught by a guy named Tony Everett. And everybody that was in seminary always knew Dr. Everett. Because Dr. Everett would just get on these kind of like, uh, uh, um, like it was not ramblings, but he would just start going. You know when you heard somebody that you that would like start a sentence and then you weren't really sure where they were going to end up with a sentence. And then they kind of made around in a couple different directions and then they get to that point. In every single class, every single class, he said the same thing. The same thing. A lot of times it was the same stories, right? The same story for like three weeks straight. And you'd be like, man, is this guy losing it? Like, it drove me crazy. Like, why does this guy say the same thing over and over and over and over again until I realized that the point of pastoral care was that we as pastors say the same thing over and over and over again. We tell the same story every single day. And it's because we as the church forget so fast. We forget God's grace. That's why we repeat it over and over and over again. That hope in Jesus is forever. But for some reason, church, we always seem to forget. 
But one of the things that I remember from that pastoral class are the what not to do things in grief. Are y'all ready for this? So if you, if you got somebody in your life that's going through some stuff, I'm going to help you out <laughs> if you know somebody that's hurting. First of all, don't say, I understand exactly what you're going through. Because you know what? You don't. There's no way that you can actually stand in their shoes and understand exactly what they are going through. If you, if you said that on accident, or you said that in the past, it's okay. They'll forgive you. But remember, you cannot understand exactly what else is going on in somebody else's life. Number two, never ever. God brought this on you to fix you. Please, Lord Jesus, do not say that to somebody. That's not how God works. God doesn't bring hurricanes to fix all the gamblers in New Orleans. I remember that happened when Katrina hit, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. This was a pastor on the television was telling him the hurricanes came to cleanse that area. I mean, awful, awful stuff. That's not how God works. And then maybe the one of the sweetest things, and I get it, but I've heard people say when somebody else has suffered a loss of someone in their family, they said, Jesus needed another angel. Let me tell you something. Jesus got plenty of angels. <laughs> Jesus is fine. Jesus can bring 10,000 armies in his little finger. That's not what Jesus needs. That's not how it works. Here's what to do when you're working with somebody who's in the midst of grief. This is what we claim. And I'm going to give you the only thing you really need to say. We are an Easter people. Okay? Church, that's it. We are an Easter people people. Think about it. All right, pastor, that's cool, man. I get it. That's awesome. But what in the world does that, what does that mean? It means waking up every day, remembering the promise of hope. Remember the promise of hope. It means letting the church be with you and your grief. You don't have to go this, through this alone. Every Wednesday on lunch with Matt and Mel, I always end up by saying, in the midst of the mayhem, in the midst of the chaos and the grief and whatever it is that you're dealing with, remember you are loved, you are loved, you are loved, and you are not alone. You're not alone. And it means on occasion that, you know what? I'm going to let the scripture tell it. So this is clickbait. Now you want to know what I'm going to read. All right, we're going to John. We're going to read John first. I think we're going to come back to our prophet in a minute, but uh, we're going to start out with John. This is John chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 17 through 26. Then I'm going to skip to 41 through 44. Are you all ready? Everybody ready in the house? Yeah. <laughs> going to be lit. On his arrival. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This is Jesus coming to the tomb. And let me just tell you right now um, that there's a whole lot of great scripture around this. I'm going to skip just a little bit apart, so don't, don't be frustrated with me. But in the midst of this, this very first line, I want you to think about somebody that has been dead for four days. Ew. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha, gosh, I love Martha. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. I mean, it was less than two miles away. Think about that. I mean, like some of you guys walk two or three miles a day. It wouldn't have been that hard for Jesus to get there. She is frustrated. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. That's my translation. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know that he'll rise again on the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they'll die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I'm going to skip the rest of that conversation and jump down to 41, because here's what I want you to hear. 
So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, listen to this, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now the part that sticks out probably should be resurrection, right? I mean, like, that's the easy part. Or I can only see like him coming out and, you know, like these little teeny steps because his legs are bound, his, you know, his hands are bound. It's almost like perfect Halloween stuff, right? This is like mummy looking dude coming out of a grave. I mean, like this is legit the very first awesomeness of Halloween right now. It's such a great visual of the prophetic witness that's about to happen because Jesus is saying, man, I hope they remember this. I hope they remember what happens to Lazarus, what I did. I am the resurrection. I am the life. So when they see him hanging on the cross, taking his big, deep breaths as he breathes his last, they will remember Lazarus coming forth from the tomb. On the day when Jesus is put into the tomb, three days later, and that tombstone is rolled away, that they'll remember what happened. But guess what? They didn't. They didn't remember. That's why we've got to say that over and over and over and over again. Take off his grave clothes. Come out. Boom. That's what it means to be an Easter people. It means that we get to be a part of resurrection. It means that death and sickness and sin and brokenness don't get to win. Yeah, it might be a really bad chapter. Some of you are saying 2020 is the worst chapter of my life so far. But listen, guess what? We know how the story ends. The grave clothes don't get to have you. The grave clothes are only temporary. They hold you for a particular period of time until Jesus looks at you and says, Christina, come out, Jeff, Come out, Margaret, come out, Katie, come out, Joe, come out and live. Take off their grave clothes and come out. Come on, let's go. The chapters in our book are sometimes tough. Yeah, I get it. It's absolutely been one of the most difficult years for a lot of people. For some, it's been great. For some, it's been terrible. But we know how the story ends in hope and resurrection and in life everlasting. The grave clothes can't stay on Easter people. The grave clothes can't stay on Easter people. Yeah, they get to be honest for a little while, but not forever. We are a hope-filled people. That's what it means to be Easter people. Amen. How long? How long, oh Lord? How long? As for grief, the answer is as long as it takes. But the answer for how long for Easter people? The answer is how long, oh Lord? And the Lord's answer is forever forever my hope will live forever my promises will last forever will my grace be enough forever will my love prevail forever will my word be true forever will my hope and my grace be sufficient for you in your life forever for you forever I'm gonna, we're still in the prophets. We're, 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 we're with the prophets for a, a little bit yet. And, 
Um, man, there's a great word for us this week. It's from Jeremiah chapter 18, 1 through 6. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was at work on his wheel. The vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. Then he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as the potter has done? Says the Lord, just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Come on, son. That's it. Right there. Took this vessel, made it something new, as it was good. Can I not done, do this with you too? It's so beautiful. God is reforming and shaping us as the clay. We're given new life. That's what it means to be Easter people. I took a pottery class. I know you don't believe it. I did. I was, when I was younger. I remember going to this place. It was like, uh, I can remember the visuals, but I remember the story of what happened so very clearly. It was just this whole, it was like, um, it was like a building outside of like some sort of educational building and they had like a little pottery studio and it was old school, like made with wood slats and all that stuff, concrete floor, you know, there's blocks of clay on, you know, wooden shelves over here. And, and there was this wheel and we all got to sit in front of a wheel and, and you would actually take it. This weren't, this wasn't the automatic one, right? You had to like keep pushing it, right? So you had to like uh, lay four on the floor like James does you know boom boom you know I'm like playing I'm like I was playing the drum the thing's spinning around like this is a really cool little contraption I got my clay and I started working on my clay and I decided that I was gonna make a bowl because guess what that's the easiest thing to make when you're working with clay so I got my lump of clay sat it on the thing kind of pushed it down you got to have water close by I'm telling you, there's some imagery here. Y'all just walk with me on this one. There's some water nearby, and the water is how you put on your hands and you start to form that bowl. And I remember it was spinning, and I started working it up. I started working up the sides, and I could put like a line right up like this, and it would just smooth out everything. And it was so beautiful. It was so perfect, this beautiful bowl. And I'm pulling it up like this, and I got a little bit excited. I tried to pull it up just a little bit. I'm like, maybe I'll make it into a vase, because then my mom could put some flowers in it. It's going to be awesome. And I start pulling up like this, and all of a sudden, a little part goes off to the side. And that thing, I was spinning that thing like crazy, and it woo, 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 and the whole thing, woo, off the table. Half my clay sitting there in this little broken mess and the rest of it off in the floor. And I was devastated. I pushed a little too hard. Some sort of misshapen thing and it was gone. I was devastated. It was a lump, a mess on the floor. I ruined it. It's over. There's no fixing this thing. I was, I was devastated because I was such a failure. Except in that moment, Come on, church. The teacher came over, saw me in my frustration and my grief, leaned over and picked up the clay. She reformed it into a ball in her hands and placed it back on the wheel. She took my place at the seat for a minute and started spinning the wheel. And little by little, she brought it back to life. Little by little, she pulled parts and pushed others, and my clay began to be reshaped, 
reworked, reformed, and the bowl, more beautiful and stronger than ever before, started to emerge. And it was beautiful. Brothers and sisters, there are many of you who feel like a broken mess, a lump on the floor, devastated, a complete failure. But this is how the teacher works. The Lord of all comes over and sees you in your frustration and grief, leans over and picks you up, reforms you back into clay in the potter's hands, places you back on the wheel, takes over and starts spinning and little by little brings you back to life. God will pull on some parts and push on others. And you will begin to be reshaped, reworked, reformed, more beautiful and stronger than ever before. Then when it was all done, I remember this is one of the coolest parts. When it was all done, we got to give it a glaze. We got to pick some colors that made us unique our unique uh, bowl or whatever the other things the kids were making that made it our own, placed it in the kiln. And the truest beauty of it came forth in that heat and that fire because it refined it. It set the clay in place. It brought forth the true colors, brought forth such beauty. Brothers and sisters, Brothers and sisters, that Holy Spirit fire refines us too. Helps to make us solid so that we can hold the gospel and brings forth our truest beauty. Think about that. Without the fire, without the molding and being shaped into who we are and given that beautiful color, we can't hold anything. The bowl is no good if it's just clay. It has to be in those fires to come to life. Brothers and sisters, don't fear those difficult refining fires or the, mis or the reshaping. Don't fear it. That's God at work in your life. If you're feeling those things in your life, guess what? God is working. God is doing something new in you, bringing forth new life in you. That's what God is doing. This All Saints Day, we remember all we've lost, not just life in general, but specifically those that we've lost over the years. When we think about what kind of effect that they've had on us, helping to form us, they all played a role, some good, some not, some pulled on us, some pushed on us. And in that grief, in that loss, there's some good stuff and there's some really really tough stuff but the Lord of all the great teacher the ultimate potter reforms us makes us whole refines us and makes us beautiful again makes us strong enough so that we can carry the gospel for others to be able to hear because there are so many that don't know they're staring at the broken huddled devastated mess of their life on the floor and they have no hope they don't know that there's anything coming next they're looking for something that happens on Tuesday of this week to fix everything in their life brothers and sisters it won't that's not how it works but God will and that's who we're called to speak to that's who we're called to walk with that's who we're called to hold up and to be their very bones when they're not strong enough to stand up because of Christ in you you get to make a difference in other people's lives brothers and sisters that is why the church exists that is what the gospel is for and that is what you were given the creative beautiful colors that come forth in that kiln so that you can share it so that you can carry it for a world that's desperate and thirsty for 
the water, the grace of Jesus. How long will this good news need to be repeated? Guess what? As long as it takes. Amen. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.